Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Slaney, it's a big one. I suppose uh, the most excited I've ever been. Glenn's Vodka, Premiership Manager of the Month, and Sponsor Coglin! Thank you, Jess. How are you, big man, all right? I'm, I'm, I'm very well, very well. You're looking great, aren't you? Right. It's gorgeous. Thank you. Oh, thank you. And how are you finding Glasgow, mate? Enjoying it? Yeah, loving it, mate. You, you, you lot are very, very friendly, mate. Uh, seriously, I, I bump into people in the street and they ask me over to their house for a cup of tea or... Or, or dinner. Don't go in, mate. No, don't go in. I haven't yet. I want to be swiped off. I've resisted the temptation. No, it's 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 been great. Everyone's been super friendly. So that leads on to our next question. Can we, you fancy coming for a lunch with us up the West End one day? Uh, yeah, right, check. I'm busy at the moment, lads. You know, <laughs> it's international, you're, you're not busy. Can I get out of it? Always busy. And how much pride do you take in winning the Manager of the Month award? Yeah, look, it, it's not a... I mean, of course, it's a personal thing, but I'm just super pleased for everyone because we obviously got off to a bit of a rocky start and you see how it affects people all around the place, whether that's players, staff, your own family and sort of winning, you know, even though it's only one month, you, you kind of think, oh, well, all those people, at least they're going to be happy, you know, and, and they get something out of it. Yeah, for me, it's... Mate, every day is, I love what I do. It's, I've avoided having a real job my whole life. Brilliant. You know? So, you know, those kind of things are just icing on the cake, but super happy for all the people who sort of work with me or, or, or alongside me when those things come along. See, in terms of October, what would have been the most satisfying result performance for you? Two big wins <clears throat> in Europe, weren't there? Yeah, there was. Um, but, you know, I think just our consistency through it because we had... You know, before the last break, um, you know, we hadn't won away from home for ages and then we beat Aberdeen away, but then we had to back it up. I knew we had three tough away games in the league. So to go through those three games, having won all three, um, you guys know how difficult it is to win away from home, irrespective of who you play. When you're Celtic, you're playing away from home in, in the Premiership, it's hard. So winning away from home and winning in Europe away, is, it was super pleasing. Do you know what? Uh, this is totally fair, just my point of view. See the first 45 minutes against Betis. Now, I'm not sure if that was in October or not, but that's one of the best performances yeah, I've seen. Yeah, no, that Europe was last month, home. yeah. It was, it was, you know, again, I look back on that game because, I mean, we, we obviously got thumped by Leverkusen 4-0 at home, but even that game, we, we played some decent stuff. They were just 
too good for us in the big moments. But that first game against Bertice, I thought, and I think the players got a real belief that, you know what, I had a good side here and we're taking it to them in their own backyard. Um, uh, that was kind of when it started sinking into the boys that if we stick to playing this football, even against quality, um, you know, we'll crack it at some point. Because we, all, we always yeah. argue on the podcast. I know, you've, you, I know you watch it every uh, Tuesday at always. five o'clock. Religiously. Yeah, religiously. But we are always saying like, would you change your style away from home and maybe try and go and get a result in Europe? But yeah. you said that you would never do that. Well, I, I don't understand the question because people always say, well, you need a result. You know, would you change your approach? I said, well, I need a result every week, mate. So if I was going to change it just for that game, if that guarantees me a result, then I'll do that every week. But it doesn't. What I do gives me the best chance of success. So if you're telling me I need to win this weekend, I'm going to go as super aggressive as I possibly can because that's that's who I am. That's our coach. I love him, eh? You're a legend. That's the type of manager you need on it. I mean, 100%. Are you surprised, though, how quickly your team have responded to your your style of play? Look, I've, I usually, look, uh, and, and, you know, you, you'll probably dig into the archives, you'll, you'll probably find some players who, who didn't enjoy playing under me. But for the most part, I think players, I have a good sort of understanding with players where they, in their core, most footballers want to play this kind of football, I believe, right? That's, I keep telling them when they're 10 years old, no one's telling them to track back and, and kick it long and don't take risks, you're just playing football. So I'm trying to create a system where it goes to that, where, you know what, you're going to have the ball, you're going to attack, you're going to be aggressive. Even if you're a defender, you like defending, you're going to defend in, in, in aggressive areas. Um, so I think most players, that's what they want. Now, the, the challenge becomes as a manager is to turn that into something effective and successful because, again, players want to be successful. So um, I've never had a problem with getting it into players. It's then how quickly they, they kind of adapt and believe in it and... Yeah, was, that's still happening. It's not fully there. I can still see sometimes, you know, late in the game, they look over the bench and saying, you really want us to play out again? You do know? they do and that I, sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. It's human nature, yeah. you know. And Look, there's plenty, plenty of times I've questioned myself. I'm going, oh, maybe I'll just ignore their look and just tell them that I didn't <laughs> see it. Yeah, I didn't see it, but <laughs> I can't, you know. So I say, no, no, play, keep playing, you know. Um, so we're still at that stages, but... Because I, I asked you this as well, Andrew, off camera. I told you about my kind of predicament of Peter Head, the third yeah. bottom of the league one. Yeah. If you were to take that job tomorrow, you'd still play that exact same way. Yeah, I would because, as I was explained to you guys, is that, you know, as, as a manager or in anything you do in life, you kind of try and gain as much knowledge as you can. And I've tried to do that. I've been doing this for <clears throat> 25, 26 years now as a manager. And as I said, you walk into a library, there's a whole array of books. I, I went to one section and I stayed in that section, and that is the section on playing, attacking football, being aggressive. and you know, probably next to it, there's, a, there's another sort of shelf with all the defensive stuff and I just didn't look over there, you know. So it's what I believe in. It's what I can coach. So if you ask me to, to go into a club tomorrow and say, look, this club, you know, wants to be really strong defensively, playing a counter-attack, which is equally fine and you yeah. can have a hell of a lot of success doing it that way, I can't coach that way. So Celtic was perfect for you then, wasn't it? I so thought we, it, we came through here, like we were brought yeah, up in yeah, terms yeah. of you need to attack. Yeah. <coughs> I thought it was. Like, so I mean, but... I wasn't appointing myself to the position, you know. So, yeah, but I'm kind of hoping that people saw that um, in the teams I'd manage and thought, you know what, it's a good fit. Because, and again, it's it's a little bit of a, a, a bane of mine, a little bit of a, an irritant that you know I hear a lot of managers say, "Oh, we want to play this way," and then I watch their teams play, and I'm thinking, it's not happening, you know. So, and and look, yeah, there's always reasons they give for that, but I think you can go back to 1996 when I first 
took my first manager's job and you'll see my team playing. It might be a, a primitive form, but there's a team there that's playing out from the back. Were the fullbacks still coming in? No, not back there. They came in a bit later. So, uh, yeah, that came in probably uh, <coughs> maybe 10 years ago. Um, back then I was I was doing different things, you know. I was doing different things with my, my midfielders and, and my wingers. But for the most part, it was always 4-3-3. It was always wingers being aggressive, uh, strikers being aggressive. So... Um, that's always kind of been the underlying theme all the way through. So you just on the foot, sorry, mate. Just because you said it, the fullback. What, what, what was it that clicked in you and thought this could work a bit fullback? Because in Britain, <laughs> maybe Guardiola's done bits here and there, but I've, I've never seen that, especially yeah, no, in Scotland. He, yeah, he did it. He did it at Bayern, and there's other managers that, that have been doing it. For me, it was more about. So when I was when I was a player, I was a fullback, right? And I hated it because I, I loved attacking. And, Used to annoy me that I used to they put me as in the fullback position and I had to defend. I like scoring goals. I wasn't any good at it, but that's what I enjoy doing. And we had a coach. Um, we had a coach. French Pushkas was my my manager, right? One of the greatest players of all time, and he just wasn't interested in defending at all. So we used to play back then and in the national league uh, for South Melbourne. And he used to tell our two wingers, "Don't come back. Just stay up there. Even if they're attacking with ten players, you stay up there." Now I was a fullback. So my wing used to stand on the halfway line. I'd have four players running at me. I'm going, mate, you're killing me here, right? <laughs> so, but his thing was, supporters aren't here to watch you play. They're watch, here to sort of score goals, watch them play, do your job, give the ball. And from then the seed was in my head that, you know what, I want my attacking players in attacking positions as much as possible. And when you play your fullbacks in sort of your traditional areas, a lot of times you watch most teams, they're the ones most advanced, crossing the ball in or trying to take the opposition. And that's not their skill set, you know. You want to see your wingers doing that, and you want to see your wingers getting into into the goal. So to do that, you know, bringing the fullbacks inside gives me numbers in there, allows me to to leave my, my wingers sort of in in advanced positions without having to that anxiety that I had that I had five players running at me in fullback. Now with the fullbacks being inside, we've got a bit more cover. Um, so that's kind of the the basic premise of it. There's a little bit more that you're not going to tell us. Yeah, yeah I'll yeah. keep to myself. <laughs> so that that style was that all. For your dad, when you watch football with him, yeah, I, I've said that. You know, I, I've said that story a lot. That, that, that he was, I don't know. I mean, you guys might have a similar existence, but you're a bit younger than me. But my generation, our fathers, we didn't see. Yeah, I'd be when I go up to school, he's already off at work. I'd come home at night. I'd be outside playing. He'd literally come home for dinner, go to bed, get up next day, do the same thing. Right, so they worked hard because they had to for their families. The only time the my old man sort of. I saw his real personality because people told me when he was younger, he was, you know, he was he was very social and and you know people loved being around him. He was grumpy every day. I saw him, but when we'd go to the football, he just come to life. You know, he was a different person, and I clicked onto that as a young guy. And I thought this game does that to him, so I've got to love this game so I can get close to this to to my father. And invariably after that, he just influenced, he loved the entertainers, you know, he, he, he would love watching teams that attacked, you know, he hated Italian football back then because it was so defensive and he, he, that sort of rubbed off on, on me that I sort of naturally went that way in terms of the teams I like to watch, the teams I like to support. Um, and then obviously when I got into management, well, I was thinking to myself, all right, because again, while he was alive, he was my worst critic. You know, I mean, I, I'd win, literally win things and show him the medal and he would say, yeah, but the substitution you made was the wrong one. No you know, way. You, you, yeah, mate, he was. He would never say well done and would to you me. back back at him? As I got older, a little bit, but he's still your old man, mate. Yes. Even at the age of 50, he's, he's telling me what to do. And 
he was never happy and he used to annoy me and motivate me at the same time i'll show you you know but every now and then you know i knew he'd be happy because he wouldn't say much and you know if the team played well i mean i, I i've said the story the last game he watched before he passed away we won 8-2 oh. in japan he would have loved it i wasn't there because you know, i was in japan he was in australia but you know my, my sister and, and and my family were there and i know he would have loved that seeing eight goals he would have been buzzing did you say you used to get you up at two in the morning to watch football yeah well australia that was that was our time that was our sweet spot the you know, if, if if football was on from this side of the world, that was... So, you know, you, you'd go to sleep, I'd be eight or nine years old, and even though I'd go to sleep, I kind of knew, oh, at some point I'm going to get a nudge, you know, that, that the game's yeah. on. So I wouldn't be totally asleep, even though as a kid you wanted to sleep. And whenever that nudge came and I opened my eyes and it was dark, I loved it because I knew, oh, there's a game on, you know. He'd come, and he didn't want to watch it on his own, so he'd just yeah. get me up. Even if I had school the next day, he'd get me up, plonk me down for two hours and watch on a black and white TV, some game from the other side of the world. You're, you and your dad watched something differently at that time. <laughs> you watched something different, kind of get to that. <laughs> so, very similar. Oh, this is sad. So, see, very similar to a player that a lot of people have compared to us, Kyogo. Did, did you know? <laughs> did you I know him be from Japan? To be fair. Have you already seen him playing in Japan? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Look, I, I was probably the, the person least surprised by how well he adjusted to here and. and how well he's um, he's gone about because I, I witnessed it firsthand. Because again, as a manager, I was there for, for for three and a half years, and I set my teams up pretty much the same way here, really aggressive. And whenever we played against uh, Missile Kobe, um, my defenders used to tell me that he was always going to be the nightmare because we played with a high line, we were really aggressive, and they just say his movements just ridiculous. So yeah. I knew, and and he was a bit more mature. You know, he's twenty six, so. Even though he was coming from Japan, I figured he, he'll adjust, you know, culturally as well. He was ready to make that move. So, you know, you don't know how well people would go, but I was confident that he could come here and make an impact for sure. See, you're talking about on the ball in terms of his movement. How important is he off the ball? How you want to play in terms of leading the press with the front? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's, it's essential, you know. Yeah. Again, the way we want to play. And they have to, and you know what it's like. Most strikers love to run when we've got the ball and when you haven't, they're just not interested, you know, and they'll pretend to, to kind of press. He he actually enjoys it. And again, I could see that there, that he loves that aspect of it. That, And I think what happened here was, I think it was the first game he played, he, he chased somebody down and I think he didn't, he didn't win a throw-in for us. I think it was a throw-in for them. But the, Massive cheer. The crowd went up and he just thought, okay, I've got something here. So I think he's, he's fed off that. Amazing. See, um, uh, Tony Ralston, like, I, I honestly yeah. can't believe the, where he's at. Just... How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Called up for Scotland. I mean, it's, it's incredible what you've done with him. Credit to him. Yeah. You know, I mean, again, you boys will know. I mean, as a manager, all you do is really, and I said that to him, I said, I'll just open the door, mate. You have to walk through and then you have to do it. It's easy for me to, to, to say that, oh, you know, I've changed Tony and he's become this player because of me, but I just gave him that opportunity and the framework and gave him some information which he took on board, but the rest is him, you know, yeah. and, and it's, it's a lesson for all young players because a lot of young players or most players will say, oh, you know, the, the manager you know, doesn't like me and, for the most part, managers, all they can do is give you that opportunity. It's what you make of it. And he's one that, and maybe because of his experience, recent experiences where he wasn't even sure about his, where his career was going. And again, as a footballer, that's probably everyone's biggest fear is the uncertainty, the unknown. You know, have I got a career here? Whether it's at this football club or anywhere else. And I think he was at that stage and all of a sudden this door's open for him that maybe it was unexpected for him and he's, I think he just made up his mind that, you know, once I walk through that door, I'm shutting it behind me and I'm not going back. And um, credit to him, he's, he's, he's done really well and I'm sure there's more to come. People say to me, like, fullback going in there, it's like a fish out of water. But see, when you play fullback, a traditional fullback position, you've got your pass to your, your wide player or you kick it in the channel. When he moves in there, he's got six or seven different options. So I think it almost makes the games easy, easier for him. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, look, uh, again, like people... You can have these debates endlessly, but I always think, and again, I played fullback, so it's a position that's close to my heart because it's, I think it's the worst position on a football field. I hated it because inevitably I'd get the ball and I'd be on the touchline, so I can only go, I can't go that way, yeah. right? Because that touchline's a defender. Most of the time, 90% of teams will say, when's the cue to press when the ball goes to the fullback? Right. So every fullback's always got this target on side. Great credit to the ones who actually make that position, you know, their own and, and thrive in it because you need to be a really intelligent player, I think, to do that. Um, but for the most part, a lot of think fullbacks struggle because they are, they're hemmed in. So mm. by taking them away from there, I think it simplifies the game for them. Right, and Tom Rodgick, your favourite Oh, player. what a player. I, thought, I generally thought the last, yeah. last season his time might have been up at Celtic, I think, maybe 
was a team for Dubai that maybe was going yeah. to sign him. And we thought, because he, he really was, he was a magician uh, when he first came under Rodgers and stuff. But I thought his time was, but again, another player, like, he's really came on this season again. Yeah. And uh, yeah, look, I've obviously got history with Tommy. I mean, you know, he's, he's an Aussie and I had him in the national team. Did you I, play him in the national team? Yeah, I played yeah. him. Yeah, yeah. He was an important part of, because I mean, I again, I, I saw Tommy come through as an 18, 19 year old in, 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 in Australia. And you could tell back then, he is one of those players when the ball goes to him, inevitably people just shut up or get up off their seat and just watch the game because they know something's going to happen. And he's always had that. Um, some of I think some of Tommy's battles is he's really hard on himself. He, he kind of, and I always just say with the Australian team, he really smiled on a football pitch. He would score a goal and he'd scowl off somewhere, you know. And I think when Tommy enjoys his football, um, that's when the best comes out of him. And, you know, I've sensed that since I've come back in here that, um, he's really enjoying his football now, and, and when he does that, he's I say he's one of those people. He's only 28. He's yeah. got plenty of years ahead. In fact, the best years could be ahead of him um, if he keeps going the way he's going. Now, another player who's nowhere near on the same level as Tom Rodgick, but you also know Jackson Irvin. You can't mention him in the same level as no. Tom Rodgick, but you spoke to him last spoke night. Spoke to him last night, and he said when they were away with Australia, they went away from home, and there was a, the toilet was replaced with a hole in the ground, and everybody's <laughs> got to do the toilet there. But he said your team talks, not only your style. He said the players say he wanted to run through a brick wall for him. I thought you were going to be able to say he'd done a toilet. <laughs> no, he didn't do the toilet, I don't think. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, he's, a, he's a good lad, uh, Jackson. And uh, what I love about Jackson is, and you'll come across these kind of um, players through your career, was that he's not your stereotypical footballer and he's totally comfortable with that. Yeah. And, and I love that. Cool um, guy, isn't he? Yeah, he is. And um, also a very good player. And again, for me, he did really well while I was a part of the sort of national team seven. But again, one of these guys, like I said, I, I enjoyed because he he's a little bit different, you know. For me, totally a massive generational gap there that I'll never understand some of the things they do, but total appreciation for the fact that somebody's so comfortable in themselves, being themselves, you know, I love that. And I think, again, I, you know, footballer I rate, but a, a person I rate as well. But see, on that, how important is it not just to be a coach, but also have that man management side where you do connect to maybe a different generation? Yeah, it, it is. Um, you know, again, I, I'm not, I'm sort of, most people will tell you that, you know, if we got on a plane, that they'd shuffle the boarding passes because no one wanted to sit next to me, you know. Whoever got the death seat next to me wasn't, <laughs> was, I'm telling you. Why? Oh, because... I could sit on a plane on a long haul with somebody for eight hours and not say a word to them. And and it, 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 it totally uneases people, you know, particularly <laughs> players. Oh, absolutely. I've done it many a time. And like I said, so they, they hated it. They, it was the death seat for them. So I don't think any of the players will ever say that, you know what, uh, we got close to the gaffer or he was constantly having... I, I would never sit down and have a cup of coffee with him. I, I just think if you're going to have a cup of coffee, they'd want to have somebody more interesting than me, right? So, And I'm, I always like to keep a, a distance between me and the players <clears throat> me and most people because I, my the biggest responsibility I have is to make decisions right and I want to make the best decisions all the time and mm. it's human nature if you like somebody or maybe dislike somebody that might so, so I always keep that distance but I'd like to think the players always thought know that I've got their back and, and you know I'll fight for them right to the end I've always said the players I take responsibility for all the bad stuff that happens and, and I think players appreciate that they know where they stand with me and, it, and it's kind of funny because whenever i meet up with them after i finish coaching with them and i do actually have a conversation they, they get really unnerved yeah. like, what's he talking to me for <laughs> this is too long you know just move along there you know so yeah anyway 
Is there, have you found the big differences here compared to the J League? Um, look, football is always a little bit different. Uh, the football in, 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 in the J League was um, a little bit sort of slower tempo and, and a little bit more measured and everything. Technically, it was very good. Here, it's a battle every week, you know, irrespective of who Quite you're up. playing. Yeah, and, and it's, it's not just the speed, but it, it's a battle. Everyone's fighting for something, you know. It doesn't matter. And you know every week, apart from the football, you're in for a fight because uh, whether you're home or away, and particularly at Celtic, uh, the team you're up against, they're going to they're gonna be at it. Um, so that's the biggest difference, I guess. But, you know, I've tried to sort of approach football the same way wherever I've been and it's worked well for me. You talk, talking about your in you said obviously you were a fullback. Yeah. At what age did you recognise that coaching was for you? Oh, uh, yeah. Like so seriously, like yeah, as a job? Yeah. Well, so, so uh, you, you both probably haven't read my book, but in my book I talk about the fact that my first coaching job I was 12 years old. I was, I was, I was, I was at my high school and our coach was the, the music teacher. So we'd train and he'd sit there next to a pole somewhere and just be doing the, the homework for the day and getting everything done. And he wasn't even looking, we were just kicking about. I said, I'm not having that. So I took over and I put the team in positions. I made myself captain. Now, for some bizarre reason, all the other 12-year-olds actually listened to me, right? I don't know why. I don't know what authority I thought I had. And it sat well with me, to be fair. I, I kind of enjoyed being the person in charge. And then so when I started playing, I, I knew deep inside me I'd never get to the level I wanted to or fulfill my football dreams as a player. I kind of knew there was a limit to it. So even as I was playing, my thoughts were, if I'm going to fulfill all the dreams I have as a little boy to... to to coach at the high, to, to be at the highest level of football, management was my calling. wasn't going to be a player. And then, how soon into that did you realise you were good at it? I don't know. I don't know if I realised I was good at it. I, I, I felt like I, it was a good fit for me. That, that again, for some bizarre reason, people listen to me. Right now, you don't question it too much when it happens. Right. So, I'll go home and I've got two young boys, five and seven. As, I can't get them to sit down and have a meal. They will not listen to me. They're scared of my wife, but me, they don't listen to me. But I'll walk in here and you know, 30, 40 people will, will listen to what I have to say and, and believe in what I have to say. And I felt that from the first time I got into the role that, you know, when I spoke, I, I could get people to believe, I guess believe in me more than anything else, not what I said, because what I say has always changed as, as you go along. But just to get believe in me as a person that, I'm really passionate about what I do. I love what I do. I, I feel blessed to do what I do. And I think people relate to that. And because of that, I think I've had success. Is it, I know you've been in big countries, Japan, Australia, but is the intensity here like nothing you've witnessed before? Look, it's just different. I mean, it's, it's just here, it's it's ever-encompassing because it's, it's it's daily, right? So, I mean, I, I've coached at a World Cup, right? And that's, that's pretty intense. Yeah. When I still had to pinch myself. We were playing Holland, um, Australia and they'd, they'd beaten Spain 5-1 in the first game and we were next up. They had Van Persie, Robin up front and and we were Australian. We were decent side but nowhere near those levels. And I remember I was sitting on the sideline and the game's about to kick off and I kept waiting for somebody to tap me on the shoulder and say, mate, the game's starting to get off the pitch. What are you, because I'm going, I'm sitting here coaching in a world. The whole world is yeah. watching right now. And I'm going, if this ends up being a disaster, I'm, I'm the face of it. So, that, that, so that's, that's intense, you know, that's... You feel that, and I'm coaching my own country, so there's a yeah. real anxiety there. But so that never changes. But the intensity here is just daily. But I keep saying to people that I love that. It's what I love. 
if it was if it wasn't intense, if it was kind of a flat line situation where I kind of knew the outcome or there wasn't pressure, I probably wouldn't do it. Mm. I'd, I'd find something else to do. Not that I'm an adrenaline junkie. I'm not going to be jumping off buildings and stuff, mate. I I keep my life pretty conservative, but the that intensity of football that unknown about football that every week your whole existence is on a knife's edge I love it man yeah. you know? do you find it hard to switch off like you say you've got two boys see when you're going home you're still thinking about football constantly or can yeah, you because switch it's, off? it's still my passion yeah. you know? I can sit and watch a game and abuse the ref and abuse the coach like a fan I, yeah. I can still do that I don't watch it as a coach all the time so it, it's not like it's something that's constant I mean of course your family get you to switch off um, but Again, we're a football family. We can't understand that's that's what dad does, and, and we, they all enjoy it anyway. But I don't have trouble switching off. I don't want to switch off, you know. I, I, like I said I've avoided having a real job my whole life. You know, I got mates who have been very, very successful in their life, a lot wealthier than I have. Um, but we grew up as kids, ten years old, and they look at me and they don't let me complain. One day, even in my worst day, they go, "Mate." you're going to do what we dreamed of as a kid, saying so just shut up and get on with it. Um, mm. So I, I just don't feel the need to, to switch off or that it's too intense. I just, I love what I do. I've just got thinking, two young kids in the West End. He coaches kids in the West End. Just the, 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 the youth. You're Very shocked good. at that, by the way. Sessions are brilliant. Just play tag. Oh, brilliant. But yeah. you see, just before we go here, yeah. The last sort of 18 months has been rubbish moments with COVID and stuff, yeah. but you brought an unbelievable feel factor back to Celtic Park. Like, do you feel that that special relationship you have with the supporters? Look, I, I've been I've been so sort of humbled by their acceptance of me almost straight away. Um, let's be fair, no one knew who I was here before I got here. You know, there'd be very few people who didn't Google um, my name to see who I was, but. From the moment I arrive, I, uh, and maybe it's just Celtic supporters, they like being told who they like, who they should like and who they shouldn't like. It almost it almost got their back up when people were saying, well, who is this guy? And I think they backed me from day one. And that was, it's been great for me. And, and it's a massive motivator for me to bring success to this football club because, um, you know, when they back me, when they don't really know who I am, then if I can bring success to that group of people who, who supported me, then that's, that's gonna, that feeling is going to be priceless for me. And what will be a successful season for you, Ange? I don't know, mate. I don't put measures on it. This club needs success, needs silverware. Um, that's why I'm here, to, to bring to bring trophies to this football club. And uh, what that's going to look like in the year, time will tell. But, um, you know, that's that's my goal. That's my ambition. Last question. You get a bottle of vodka as well. Do you, yeah. Will you drink that or can you have it? Uh, <laughs> before my session tonight. before your session <laughs> before you catch your kids yeah, uh, no nah, happy to pass it on lads no problem I just talk man thanks, oh, thanks, thanks guys great to you. meet you sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.